Get about the curveball, Ricky. Give him a heater. This is Manfred's Magic Mike moment. Uh, it's his world, and we're just living in it. Welcome to the Heater Podcast. I'm Dan Lewig. He's Corey Peeper. Uh, as we uh, break down uh, a strip down in Major League Baseball over the past week, so uh, ladies, uh, make sure to check out some games uh, for some extracurricular activities going on. This is part of uh, Manfred wanted to bump up the population, the popularity uh, of the of the sport, and he's going at it in some very unorthodox ways. We'll break that down in uh, today's uh, uh, podcast as well as. Uh, uh, Wander Mania has hit Major League Baseball. That has been the talk of the town. Uh, they debut lived up to the hype. Everything else, not so much. He's a 20-year-old kid. Give him time. Don't overreact. Uh, and now we'll also take a look at the National League breakdown as we come to this uh, time in the season. Last week, we took care of the American League and did a, a run-through of every team of where things are. Uh, good, bad, and the ugly approach. We'll do that in the National League. Brewers fans, a lot of good, little ugly uh, especially with a streaky team uh, right now, ride the, the good wave. Uh, we're definitely there. Lots to talk about with them and the, the rest of the uh, NL uh, Central that's coming up. Uh, if you are an NL West fan uh, right now, it sure looks like you could have that new rivalry that's the best rivalry in Major League Baseball for a wild card game. And if they'd be in any other division, they'd be leading it by about three, four games. Uh, so the one-game playoff part uh, could be coming up with a very interesting matchup, make for some explosive baseball, to say the least. That's where we're at. That's what we're going to cover. Uh, and before we do that, as always, the Heater Podcast is brought to you by River Creek Popcorn. For all of your snacking needs for baseball games and movies of choice, come hungry, leave happy. It was a wet one uh, this weekend, but uh, undeterred for most folks. Yeah, it is. It was very wet. Uh, came and go all night. I actually got in there a couple times, and the power got caught, cut off by the rain or the lightning or whatever. And so, we'll play Manfred. Like, sure, he, he does everything else. It's certainly worth it. So, <laughs> uh, but yeah, people kept coming. We're obviously closed tomorrow because I'm getting installed at St. Paul's. So, I think that's part of it. A lot of people that usually come on Sunday, I saw on Friday this week. So it was good to see everybody after my. Mini vacation to Door County. I enjoyed my time away, but back at it, just not tomorrow. Next week, we'll be back at it full go. You are a uh, warm-blooded creature, so that was uh, a little bit too cold for your liking overall. Still nice, but... It's nice. But I like my idea of Door County at its best would be 75 and hang out on the beach, and it was more like 60 and windy and more inland stuff, which is still nice. It's good to get away anyways, but uh, not the beach life that I enjoy. You missed it by one week, I guess we can say that, because I know that was where it was uh, exactly at that point for me. Maybe about 70 versus 75. G- good enough. Good enough to be uh, at the beach. Oh, yeah. Uh, so if, uh, if you're out there taking uh, vacations, uh, enjoy. Again, this is the this summer. Week is supposed to getting be, back open. This week is supposed to be really wet around here. We need that? it. Yeah. We yeah. need it. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't do well for trying to get outdoor activities done, but... Uh, uh, but we'll, I have some uh, indoor stuff I'd like to get done this week, so that the following week I can spend more time outside. See, <laughs> got to plan ahead. Make uh, make uh, lemonade out of lemons. That's right, exactly. Well, as we take a look at uh, Major League Baseball, 
we're, again, going to spend the focus, uh, majority of this is going to be on the breakdown of the National League. But before we do, a couple quick stories to, to jump into. Uh, first is, uh, what was your first impression of Wandermania uh, now that that has hit uh, Major League Baseball? I thought it was like, I heard people trying to say, was this the biggest call-up since Vlad? And I th- think so, right? Ke- Kelnick was a big deal when he got called up, and obviously that didn't work out very well, and he's since sent down, but he will be back. And I think it's probably the biggest call-up since Vlad Jr., maybe even since Acuna. Acuna was a big one, too. Those ones are all really high-end prospect call-ups, and then people were talking, like, what's the next big one? And so Julio Rodriguez, like, maybe? See, it's hard to get to, There's a reason why, like, when you mentioned those two guys, it's still been a couple of years since you've had anyone at that level. This was the universal uh, and unanimous top prospect in baseball for the last two to three years. Uh, within it. So with him getting a call-up, that's going to be uh, big news, uh, or at least big hype. Uh, and uh, there really isn't another prospect yet at that level. There's some very good prospects, and we're seeing the next uh, this wonderful youth wave, uh, again, coming into the, the game and, and some exciting players to watch. Uh, and we see in Major League Baseball right now, it's guys that are like under 23, 24 that are the top stars in the game right now. So it's kind of fun to see these guys come up in the next uh, next wave of hope. Okay, so I want to ask you, so you're the, the Rays guy here, right? So let's talk expectations for Wander Franco rest of this season. If I told you he had – actually, hold on. I'm, I'm on fan graphs here, so I can pull up what he's projected for on fan graphs. Now, they tend to baby the rookies. They, they tend to do that. So he's projected for uh, – let's pick the bad X. I think that's the best one. Nine home runs, 41 RBIs, seven steals with a 292 average. You're happy with that? Who's not happy with exactly. that? Like that's the I, I think the, the, the the that's the problem though. That's even for a place that's more uh, conservative in their projections. Even the conservative projections on this guy are sky high. Mm-hmm. It is almost to the point of unrealistic expectations for this kid. Uh, and if you only watch the de- debut that he had, uh, it's going to be hard for him to live up to that. Again, his uh, first game uh, with the team. Uh, he ends up working uh, 0-2 count, works it into a 3-2, and then gets the walk out of it. Then he hits the game-tying home run uh, in, like, the sixth inning there for it. And the if you haven't seen it yet, the video of his dad, who was there in, on site to watch it, he was trying to take a video of the moment. He had a hard time trying to be videographer and then also uh, be a dad fan and just uh, went nuts on it, and it was really cool. Uh, but great debut. Everything that you want this kid to be, you had a glimpse of it there. Problem is, that's where we are as a glimpse. I think he's 0 for 15 cents, uh, which, again, it'll course correct. All of these things will. He is extremely talented. He will show that yet this year. But would I be fine with a 260, 340, uh, maybe four, almost 450 slugging percentage, that type of thing? I, yeah. Like I said, he's, he's still a 20-year-old uh, getting his first taste of Major League Baseball. He skipped double-A. He's only had, what, a third of a season of triple-A? 39 uh, games. Yeah, so uh, 39 games above single-A. Uh, so, again, trying to put a balanced perspective on it. This, uh, He is the, the Tampa Bay Rays' best shot at having a superstar. Uh, they've managed to do this without one. Uh, they managed to go to the World Series without one. This could be the missing piece for them. Uh, I just don't know if it's going to happen this year. 
Uh, so I'm for me as a fan, I'm trying to be rational and temper expectations versus anointing this guy as Mike Trout already. Uh, See, I don't think he's ever not like could he be Mike Trout? Sure, whatever, maybe. But I don't think he's got. He I think he's more like Juan Soto. I think like yeah, I would I agree think with that. that. If, if you, his top percent outcome is he turns into Juan Soto, where he's Agreed. a 300 batting average, rock solid on base guy because he's going to draw a ton of walks, and maybe it only is. 25 home runs and yeah. like uh, 220 RBIs and runs scored. Like, I think that's probably his outcome. And I think he can steal 10 to 15 bases probably, which is like one Soto, right? So that's, you know, that's your top outcome. And now if he's I, more, I think he could be a 2020 guy. Okay. I, I was impressed by his speed overall with what I've seen there. There's a, an extra wheel there that you don't anticipate. I saw he stole a base already. So yeah, yeah. That, that, that could be true, but I don't think you're expecting like, Ronald Acuna or Fernando Tatis like power out of this. No. But it'll be a solid, more solid average and better on base skills. Like I said Juan Soto, I think, is what you're what you're hoping for that he can get to. Now, if that ends up being more like oh, what's a little level, lower level from that? Like Corey Seeger, are you gonna be disappointed? Probably not, right? Like that's a guy who's won a World Series MVP who also can hit for power and get on base a lot. So like you said, temper expectations. He's 20 years old. He could just as easily still be at high A and not be behind, like not be behind developmentally. And yet, it's hard to have uh, tempered expectations when even MLB.com did a, a bunch of simulations and, and projections. And where they laid out his numbers at is uh, Mike Schmidt, Hall of Famer sure. Mike Schmidt. That's where they have his his level at from their uh, projection system. Uh, that they've done. So no matter what, I'll, I'll enjoy the hype, but I'll do it with a little bit of a realistic approach, but it's going to be fun to see what can he do for this, for a coming into a world series contending team, defending team. Uh, and that's going to uh, come into play as, as well. So we'll I would check s- that out as we go. Last point. I would say you will not see the best Wander Franco season for probably five to six years. And that's not because I don't think he's not going to be good for the next five to six years, but just, Physical development-wise, he is still that far off. I'll go a little bit sooner. I'll say if it not if not next year, be the year after. Okay. Like, just because that bat speed and that hand-eye recognition is so good. Yeah, will he have more peak power later? Sure. The other skills, they're already there. And so it's just a matter of him getting comfortable. Right now, he's pressing. You can see that from the oh, we saw being with there. Jared Kelnick, yeah. right? All these rookies that we've talked about, Jared Kelnick, uh, Wander Franco, Jackson Kowar, Daniel Lynch, those were all top-end prospects, and they've all struggled. Basically, I think the only one who's been pretty good has been Logan Gilbert after some early struggles has sort of figured it out with Seattle as far as pitching goes. But otherwise, those other three of those guys are back in the minors, and right now he's 0 for 18. Now, that's a bad week or whatever, or 0 for 12, I guess he is. That's a bad week, right? So there's no concern. I don't have concerns about Wander Franco being good. I don't have concerns about Jared Kelnick being good. I don't have concerns about Jackson Kowar being good. It just might take a while. And I think for Wander, with where his level is, I don't anticipate him being sent back down. I don't anticipate it getting to that level. I think, finally, he's getting his first taste. Like This is the crazy thing. His first taste of uh, unsuccessful. His first taste of things not coming so na- just for his natural skills. Mike got sent back down, people. It happens. Yeah. Uh, so I think it'll be a couple weeks. 
and he'll get himself back up to at least what's going to be solid. His ceiling is nowhere near. Uh, that's coming in the, in the coming years. Well, let's move to uh, Manfred's Magic Mike world that he has now created for uh, Major League Baseball, and the best troll job I've seen by any player one-upping a manager, as well as a putz of a, a manager as well. Uh, that, again, are we... We, we at least talked about Wander Franco's debut and stuff within it, but there's all these wonderful races, all these uh, uh, San Francisco Giants defying expectations, all these wonderful storylines. And again, what are we talking about instead? The mess that Manfred has created in Major League Baseball. Get out your dollars, folks. Uh, get out your dollar dollar bills, y'all, as we uh, talk about the, the latest mess of the sticky situation of Rob Manfred. So we've now implemented the check the glove and hat and pitcher out after in the belt after every couple innings or whatever it is I I don't know if there's actually a set amount of time but I believe it's after every inning for a lever and I think at least like every other inning for a starting pitcher but as is on the books a manager can request to have a pitcher checked out that has been on the books for decades once again a rule that has been around forever and so we've started doing this and Max Scherzer Hall of Fame pitcher for the Washington Nationals is on the mound he has been checked twice at that point and once by manager request already yes once by joe girardi for the phillies requesting it already i think he had first and third at that point in this inning with rio muto at the plate and he requested another check and scherzer had it he threw the hat and glove down and i don't think he was mad at the umpire he was not mad at the umpire although mocking the situation is all and then so he threatened to take off his pants right there we saw sergio romo out in oakland really really did he pulled him down he said look (laughs) here i am check away and so I don't think other than those spectacles, if this was done in a dugout, like I don't think there hasn't been a lot of complaints, right? Other than like at Girardi, as far as umpires checking it, I haven't seen pitchers complaining. I've, I've read at least three or four uh, and is more of, again, the public spectacle of it is yeah. the problem. Rich Hill has come out and said like, it's very demeaning. Yeah, but uh, do it in the dugout. I don't know why they're doing it in the field. I thought this was going to yeah. be like uh, the umpire can like, walk into the dugout to do this. I don't yeah. get why they're doing it right on the middle of the field. That's what I didn't understand in this whole thing. So that's what that's what I would say. Like if you did this in the dugout, I have not heard a whole lot of complaints about like Correct. they're doing they're now enforcing the rule. It has been there, I guess. It, the spin rates are way down at this point. Spin rates are way down because it's, it's working. It's working. Number like, one, it's working. That, that much is true. Uh, we're seeing the results of that. Runs are up by like a half a run per game uh, in, the, in the past month since this has started or the last couple of weeks. We've seen that trending up uh, considerably, which a half a run is a lot when you're talking about averages <laughs> yeah. for all these games. So that's a considerable jump for offense. So, yes, it's it's there. It's, it's just the manner, again, it's the rollout. This is what uh, Manfred is incapable of, of doing. Uh, but talking specifically about the Scherzer-Girardi issue, what I loved the most, well, yeah, yes, first you have Scherzer getting ready to drop drawers. He's going to strip That'd down awesome. for it with that, which was already uh, entertaining if you watched uh, the video uh, clip of it. But then the last time after he got checked for for that one, after he strikes out Real Muto, he stares down Girardi the entire slow walk back to the dugout, just stares a hole in his head. Uh, And yes, Girardi knew exactly what he was doing. Girardi comes out uh, super ticked uh, and wants to challenge him and his mother and pretty much everyone else around with it and immediately gets ejected by the umpire. 
Uh, and then from the dugout, you see uh, Scherzer like popping off his hat again. You every see national, you, like, you want to see the hat? Let's, let's it was see like it. every national took off their hat and glove to show it to him because they're just like, look, if he can hold it, like that's the thing about this. If teams want to cheat, they will find a way. I can have the, the third. Guess what? The third baseman's not getting checked. I can throw the ball over to the third baseman. He can scuff it up for me. Like there is ways if you want to do this still to cheat this system. I am not going to say that everybody is clean. I saw. I don't know. Somebody said, just stick it in your jock strap, right? They're not checking down there unless you drop your drawers right now. They're not checking it, right? Like, there are plenty of ways that you can still cheat this system. But Max Scherzer doesn't need to cheat. Like, Max Scherzer doesn't need to cheat, right? Like, he's still extremely good. And so it is going to be limited. It seems to be working. I think once we get past the first week of the public spectacle of this, uh, attention will divert. Uh, and it'll become a little bit more normal-ish depending upon how managers abuse this. That's the only part of this. Uh, and and I'm sure it'll be part of the next CBA. Uh, but the as far as how many times a manager can be allowed to check, if you already you, you'll get one. After that, you have to have at least reason. Or if you if you're wrong, then you should be tossed. Uh, oh. There needs to be some sort of repercussion for that type of a a check after it's already been done. There needs to be a limit to how this is done. Uh, so it doesn't turn into a public spectacle. Well, you see it in the NFL, right? If you're going to equate this to challenges, because it sort of is, if if I challenge a play and I lose it, you lose a timeout. So something, you have to lose something if you're Joe Girardi in that case. You can't just say, because otherwise... And there's ninth, also a limit how many challenges you get, too. Yeah, exactly. Otherwise, ninth inning of a game, if I want to throw somebody off, they go check that guy out, right? Like, send him out Which there. everyone knew that's exactly what Joe Girardi was doing. Yep, he trying was, to get Max Scherzer's head. Uh, potential run scoring situation. He was trying to get a, a little bit of an edge. And again, here we go back into baseball's unwritten rules or rules within it. Uh, this is one that to me, not acceptable. And that's why you even had the, the Nationals general manager calling him out uh, after the game on that because this was a, there's a certain amount of gamesmanship that's allowed and a certain amount that goes over the line. This one went over the line. Uh, and that's why you had the response that you uh, had so strongly. Again, we'll see what happens as, as the year uh, goes on. Uh, let's briefly bring up one point. I didn't tell you beforehand I was going to do this, so I'll keep it quick. Uh, but it was an optimistic point after our conversation last week, so I thought it was worth doing it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jeff Passan, just as we talked about labor relations, uh, Jeff Passan, after our conversation the podcast last week, has a nice article out on ESPN talking about it, how overall, despite there being many challenges that are there, the consensus opinion within Major League Baseball from players to executives, uh, coaches, everything within it, is that there won't be actual work stoppage that costs games. Nice. Uh, I didn't that's, see that one. That's the many uh, large divides uh, that are there. That That's definitely there. And could the situation change? Sure. But right now the consensus opinion is that it won't actually cost games because also – where everyone's in a different spot right now, that you can, uh, and we didn't talk about this last week, you can thank COVID for being the very reason why we don't have work stoppage next year. Everyone's already been pinched financially. No one has, like normally when you know this is coming, players will start saving a certain percentage of their salary to be able to be to, to deal with it. Uh, after everything that's already happened from owners and players alike, they've already been pinched. Uh, so they're wanting to make money. Uh, more than usual already with this. I gots to get paid, uh, in the words of the immortal Blake Snell. Uh, so I, I didn't think of it that way. The Jeff Passan article is out there, but if we don't have work stoppage, you can actually thank COVID uh, for that being the, the number one reason why uh, the, an 11th-hour deal will be struck. Yeah, I never I never saw that. I'll have to read that article because that is interesting. I'd love to... 
I'd, obviously, I'd love to watch 162 games. So yeah, I'm we'll I'm see. more compared to again our conversation just last last week and last week's podcast. You're optimistic. I, I'm, I'm much more optimistic now after hearing that uh, because of how much the consensus was there. I'm like, okay, it'd be nice to actually see that uh, I I can uh, turn off the news for most of the the summer, not listen to the uh, or the off season, not listen to the uh, how dire things might get, but just more the confidence that when I put things back on in mid-February or early March that there's uh, already spring training going that we'll have games, so 162-game season. With that, let's uh, dive into the National League. We'll go into the NL East, and we'll take a look at our leading New York Mets, 40-32. and 32. Uh, Five-game uh, lead in the, uh, in the NL East, and they have a 260 runs scored, 239 against, plus 21 run differential for you math aficionados. What are your thoughts on the New York Mets? Remember when we thought this was going to be the best division in baseball, like competitive-wise? Yeah. And it's just, like, yeah. middling. I, the word in this division is middling. So what makes the Mets good? Well, they lead baseball in starting pitching, ERA, whip, hits per nine, and home runs per nine. That's because they have a guy who's not actually a human being who throws every five days for them Cyborg. named Jacob DeGrong. Like, uh, he boosts those numbers to the nth degree. But the, well, other than him... He's losing it. It happened Did he give up a run in, in today? the last twenty, like the last twenty-four hours. He's he's losing it. He actually gave up two Ooh, runs. Oh boy, two runs. Did he hit? Because I think he's like also got like a solid. Like he had more RBIs than he had runs allowed. So I don't know if he got any hits or not. But look, as good as he has been, and he's unbelievable. There have been other good pitchers. Taiwan Walker has been very good for them. Uh, Stroman's been pretty good for them. They just called up one of their big prospects is Tyler McGill. And I did not see how he pitched, but I know they just called him up or, and he's going to make his second start here and David Peterson. So the starting pitching has been good and that's to be expected. Now we still have no idea what they're going to get out of Carlos Carrasco. If they're going to get anything out of Carlos Carrasco or Noah Syndergaard this year, it seems less and less likely though. Just going to throw this out here. 78 innings pitched uh, so far for Jake DeGrom. He's given up six earned runs. I saw the odds in Vegas for him to win the Cy Young Award were like so far now where he's the favorite that betting for him, I think you only make like 50 cents or something like that. It is so far. And the question with him now is how many innings does he have from this point forward? Because he has left three or four games early because of injury concerns. I think he had a three inning, nine strikeout game where he had to leave early. So just how many innings does he have in him? But my confidence in that is every time he comes back, he's throwing 101 and striking out everybody. So yeah. it's it's uh, fine. Give him his breathers. Uh, that's fine. Let him take off a start here and there uh, and then uh, bust him back out. But he's doing everything that you thought that he would and then some. And in terms of the crown jewel of the year of the pitcher 2.0, this is the guy right here. Well, this is historic. Like, Jacob yeah. deGrom is historic right now. So if you don't get a chance, like, if you get a chance to watch Jacob deGrom, do it because it's – Pedro Martinez in his prime. Like, that is what you're seeing when you watch Jacob DeGrom pitch. Now, the offense, that's been what's been bad. Now, I will give them the benefit of the doubt because they have had times where three-quarters of their offense has been injured. Now, a lot of it's back. Jeff McNeil has been back for about a week, so he was gone. Michael Conforto just got back within the last few days. Francisco Lindor for the last month or so is looking He's like heating up Francisco Lindor, which is big. He is not, he's been like the only one who wasn't hurt for at least a time. Pete Alonzo is back and playing. Uh, Kevin Pilar is still filling in at center field. He had that broken face for a while. So it's getting closer to back to the way that they want it. They still need JD Davis. They still need Brandon Nimmo. Those two are still the big ones that are hurt. So 
they're all actually Jonathan VR is hurt too, but their offense has an excuse that I can, I can buy that. And those guys are not necessarily injury prone players. We talk about like the Yankees knew what they were getting into. Jeff McNeil has never really been hurt. As far as I can remember, Conforto has been kind of injury prone, but I think their offense gets better from here, which on top of their pitching only makes them better. Again, this is what they wanted out of Lindor, and that average will still come up. But in the month of June, 258 batting average. Uh, he has five home runs, uh, a total of 10 extra base hits. Uh, he is at 14 RBI, uh, and where's the run? 17 runs scored in, in 25 games uh, so far in June. So this is back more at Lindor level. Uh, and coincidentally, you're starting to see the team play better with that too. They needed the star power of at least one guy. They have good supporting cast, but they needed Lindor to be that piece, and he's starting to be that again. I think their question then moving forward is, uh, do they get anything out of Carrasco, right? Because that just lengthens your pitching rotation. Does When we first started talking about Carrasco, it was May. Now we're here in end of June, and as far as I know, he's just throwing off a flat ground. Syndergaard, remember, was working his way back. He's hurt. I don't have any faith that he's giving them starters innings. Maybe for his sake, he's got a free agency year coming up. He's got to be hoping that he can get back in September and like October to help this team as a bullpen arm. So do those guys come back? Because I don't see this team going out. They, they already made their big moves in this offseason, right? They're not going out and they're not making another massive move, I don't think. I don't think they have the farm system to to pull it off. No, they don't. So, so they're, they're going to try to improve from within and Said they're getting healthier right now in the last week, and now just keep getting healthy. Edwin Diaz has looked uh, like a good girl. Yeah. Like a yeah, he's been great. <laughs> he's been the I think one of the best two or three closers in the National League. Him and Hater have looked great. Lugo is back. He's looking good. The bullpen has been good too. Yeah, all of the pitching has been great. And I said now you're getting the offense healthy. That's how you win games if you're the Mets. Well, the second place team in the NL East is the shocker of all shockers here, Washington Nationals. Yep. Uh, 36 and 38, so let's temper some expectations of sec- of woohoo second place. Uh, but they are five games back in the East. Uh, 287 runs scored, 303 runs given up. That's a negative 16 run differential. But they are 7 and 3 in their last 10. Thank you, Kyle Schwarber. If you've been, if we had been doing our typical, we'll get back to the normal format next week. But if we were doing our normal format, I would have went two weeks in a row of Kyle Schwarber because he is basically carrying them right now on offense. Uh, Juan Soto has been good, not great, but Swarber is up to 22 home runs, and I'm trying to pull up the stats in the last two weeks. I believe he has 14 in the last two weeks, which is unbelievable. So they have moved him to leadoff. It has worked. Now they need more out of some of these guys. Josh Bell has been just okay. He's actually only playing against, even though he's a switch hitter, they don't play him against lefties anymore. They just play Ryan Zimmerman there. And so... My off, my word is middling for this entire division, I said, and this team is middling, we got. So I got your numbers for uh, okay. Kyle Schwerber. Last 15 games, uh, he has 13 home one runs. Off. One off. I was close. A three fifty one batting average, four oh six on base percentage, a 1.035 slugging percentage. That's not OPS. That's slugging. That's not bad. That That's what I said. You could get on here twice for on a heater, and so... He's carrying the offense to these wins. It's been a lot of him. The pitching, Scherzer's great, right? We talk Max Scherzer. At this point, if they keep winning games, I think they're going to be keeping him. Like, we've talked, did this team start trading off? Well, if they're in second, even though they're not going to win. Here's the thing. None of these teams are winning a wild card. So either you win the East or you're not making the playoffs at this point. So 
I don't know what the plan is going to be with Max Scherzer moving forward. That's that's the question. Should I stay or should I go? Uh, and it depends your your approach. Uh, number one, what you just said. No matter being in second place, whatever's there with the rest of the makeup of the National League, the bottom line is you're not good enough. Uh, so do you want to keep Scherzer on a team that's not making the playoffs, or do you want to trade your best chip despite him being an expiring contract? He will still get you a, a top 100 prospect player uh, because he is the difference maker uh, that could be available uh, depending on how much you believe in Kyle Gibson's uh, uh, surgence here, who just had a, another seven-inning, two-run, ten-strikeout performance, that cutter that he has added has changed him to a different level. At least that's what we've seen so far. But Max Scherzer is a whole different category unto himself. Uh, and you also have a team that can afford to pay most of his salary for a better deal. So it, it's a it's an interesting one here, but to me the smart move is you trade him because if you want him back in the offseason, you can always pay big bucks and get him back. So they've paid big money to pitchers for yep. three of them, right? Right now they got Scherzer under that contract. His is almost up. Who knows what Steven Strasburg is doing? I believe he's strained a neck right now. So that he'll be back in two weeks and then he'll be gone again in three. I'm sure he sneezed wrong. And something. And then Corbin. Oh, I don't know what to do to make of Patrick Corbin. The, the success has been better lately. At least he looks like serviceable again, but there was a time earlier this year where he looked unpitchable, and even now, I don't know how he really does it. He's kind of getting by with, like, smoke and mirrors, which if you're Zach Greinke, you can do that because you have pinpoint control. Patrick Corbin does not have that pinpoint control, so it's been kind of strange. So I don't trust their pitching enough to, like, compare it to the Mets, right? I don't trust their pitching or their offense enough to compete against the Mets at this point and make up that ground. Despite having uh, Schwerber going uh, nuclear, uh, at his level being on fire right now, that offense is still the uh, third worst in the National League. So uh, despite the the positives that are there, that's still the problem. He's not going to stay at that level, and that's not going to sustain him anyways. So this team, yeah, the offense isn't good enough, and there's not enough depth to the pitching staff uh, to uh, actually sustain anything. Uh Let's go to another disappointment. Yeah, well, I'll first say, again, one thing I had wrong, uh, as we talked about here, was the National League East. We thought this was going to be the best division in the National League, uh, and many of reasons why to think that. Definitely got that one wrong uh, to this point. But one I've gotten right to this point is the middling Atlanta Braves, who still are under 536 wins, 40 losses, six games back in the NL East, uh, and their last 10 show the same thing, 5-5, five and five, middling again. Uh, they have a very good offense, 348 runs scored. That is the fourth best offense. Uh, it's the best offense out of the well, fifth, because I forgot the Cincinnati Reds that we'll talk about in a little bit. But it's the best offense in the, the NL East, but their pitching staff has given up 355 oh. runs. This was supposed to be their strength. Well, they went out to at least they went out to help it, right? I don't know if it was supposed to be their strength. The, the, the offense, I think we both thought was going to be good. They lost Azuna to being an idiot. That's fine. They found a way around that. Now the pitching, Morton's been better lately. He he looks like the the guy that they paid for. Yep. Drew Smiley has not been good, and that was surprising. I think we both liked that signing. Ian Anderson has been good. Uh, Freed got hurt. He's got a blister right now. He's coming back. I I'm okay with that. But then that fifth starter, so Soroka today. Retore, he tore his Achilles, if you remember, was it in the playoffs or just before the playoffs last year? He tore his Achilles, 
fielding a ball, had the surgery. There was legit hope that he was going to be back in April. I always said, I don't believe that. I don't think he's coming back that soon, maybe in the middle of the year. And it looked like he was sort of trending in that way, but he was walking, I think just it was house or to a parking lot or yeah, something last walking. night. And ended up tore the Achilles again. So he'll have to have an additional surgery. He'll be out for the rest of this season. And at this point you have to worry like two, two Achilles injuries. Does Mike Soroka ever play again? I, I'd love to say yes, but I certainly can't say that with any sense of certainty. If it happens, it won't even be next year. Like they're going to need to find a way to strengthen that muscle. Cause it was a second tier, not the same place, which I suppose maybe that's kind of better uh, than versus the same thing again. But either way, to the same Achilles, that's a uh, if you can't strengthen that muscle, he's not going to be able to return to competitive play. And then that's so that because of that, they've been looking for a fifth starter. Remember, Yuaskar Yanoa had a nice start until he was an idiot and broke his hand, punching a wall. And they've they've always had all these like pitching prospects: Tucker Davidson, Tuki Toussaint, uh, Bryce Wilson, Kyle Muller, Kyle Wright, and for whatever reason, it's just none of them have really panned out that much. So do they seem, I will say this, I will take that this team finishes ahead of the nationals again, which I don't know. That's certainly not a hot take because how many games are they actually down? They're only one game back for the nationals right now. I still think this is a better team than the nationals mainly because they have Ronald Acuna, who's possibly going to be the MVP. They have Freddie Freeman, who is the defending MVP. And I still have lots of faith in that. He's going to be good. Elbies has been better lately. Swanson's heating up. There's just too much offense on this team that I don't think the Nationals have. And there is – they don't have the top-end pitcher like Max Scherzer, right? They don't have the Max Scherzer ace. But I have more faith depth. in their depth than I do in the Nationals' depth. So I think they catch the Nationals. At this point, catching the Mets, it's going to be tough. Uh, I don't know. I'm more concerned about someone passing them. Uh, yeah. than, I, than I am about uh, uh, the, the Mets at this point. And so I guess we can talk about that here as we look at the uh, Philadelphia Phillies, who are 35 and 39. They're also six games back. Uh, 315 runs scored, 329 given up for a negative 14 run differential. They are 3 and 7 in their last 10, but this is also a streaky team that goes well and then just tapers back down. But it always seems like one step forward, two steps back with this team. This team reminds me of remember the Mets last year where we said the sum is worse than the parts? This team is just like so underachieving. Every time I look at this team, it seems like they should be so much better. Do you see that Bryce Harper set a record for most consecutive solo home runs to start a season? I think he has 10 home runs and 10 RBIs on those home runs. Wow. I, what I will say about the Philadelphia Phillies is here's a correlation for as whatever the Rays touch when it comes to bullpen members turning to gold, <laughs> Philadelphia turns it to coal. Uh, it, it's it's the they remade this bullpen, uh, and this last uh, Jason Stark had it here. I saw it on a tweet uh, before we started here. Six blown saves in four games. I uh, said, that, yeah. he said, I don't know what the records are with that, and he'd be the guy to know. I said, but that sure sounds like a lot. Well, they did They did what you asked, wanted them to do. They moved Alvarado into the closer role yesterday, and then he promptly blew a save, and so then they went to Archie Bradley. Hector Neris has been bad lately, so, yeah. We're, we're going to talk about one worse bullpen again, but I, I will give it to this. We always said they saw their need, and they, I thought they fixed it. Now, like you said, it just hasn't worked out for whatever reason. The offense should be good, right? Odubel Herrera, Reese Hoskins, JT Ramuto, Bryce Harper, Andrew McCutcheon, Alec Bohm, 
when they get healthy, John Gene Segura and Didi Gregorius. Like that is a deep lineup. Now yep. those two are hurt at the bottom, but otherwise you're talking like one to seven. There's not a set, like easy out in this lineup. And I like their starting pitching. And so Wheeler's been great. Nola's been, I remember I predicted him to win the Cy Young. He hasn't been that good. Although he just set a record himself striking out 10 consecutive batters the other day. So I have, he's fine. And Zach Eflin's good. And like I said, it, it's good enough, right? So it's just a lot of underachievement. And I don't see a whole lot of help on the horizon again on this team. What's at least nice, especially when they have maybe an, uh, a below average farm system. I, I don't have it in my uh, in front of me right now. A lot now, of their guys are a long to, way away. Yeah, it's, it's, it's harder to make trades to, to make upgrades. But bullpen is easier, in theory, uh, to do. Uh, so if you have a weakness, and, and again, this goes to, again, what I, I've mentioned this for the last couple of podcasts, what, what helps you is when you have such a glaring weakness, almost any upgrade is going to be a major upgrade for you, which won't be the same for every other team. So for them, you just have to find one or two bullpen arms that, that are decent. Uh, you don't even need to find like an elite, uh, just decent will imp- make improvements. Like we talked about the, the Brewers offense, just finding any offense at almost any position Will, will help you at this point. So I do have confidence that Philly can, or at least they'll get another bite at the apple. Well, will they, it be a good bite? Well, they're, they're trying everything. They signed, they actually brought up Naftali Feliz in the last couple of days. You may remember Naftali Feliz had a 40 safe season in 2010 for Texas. Been out of baseball since 2017, but he's back. So uh, numerous injuries with, with him. If, mm-hmm. he's, if he has any shot of being healthy, uh, that would be a comeback story to, to follow. Uh, we move to the bottom of the division, Miami Marlins, 33-43. and 43. Uh, Nine games back, 300 runs scored, 279 runs against. They actually have a plus 21 run differential. That is the only cellar-dweller team in Major League Baseball with a positive uh, run differential. They are the only cellar-dweller team in Major League Baseball that can boost, that can bout, like brag about their pitchers like this team can, like, we haven't seen Sixto Sanchez yet this year. We haven't seen Eliezer Hernandez more than a couple starts. And they have a superstar pitching prospect named Edward Cabrera, who is, I think he's at double A right now, but he's working his way quickly through their system. So Sandy Alcantara, Pablo Lopez, Trevor Rogers, they've, they've pitched like stars, like they, especially Pablo Lopez, who great. All three of them have been great. Now, I still think, especially since they're out of it, they're going to limit their innings at this point. I wouldn't be surprised if they all don't take phantom IL stints or find a way to sit down for di- different periods of time. That's fine. At this point, you're not winning this year. You I'm have something. Re- I'm not ready to rule them out. You're not ready to w- this I, year? I'm not Ooh. ruling them out Ooh, boy. yet. Okay. I, I need to see. Now, they're short on time. Yep. It's, it's July. You have one month to cover, a, to go on a decent enough hot streak. Again, we've seen teams like Oakland won 12 in a row. The Rays won 11 in a row. You get one of those type of hot stretches, and, and you have good enough pitching to sustain that. One of those changes the outcome of the season completely. Uh, at least makes it where now you can be competitive for the second half. I'm going to give them the month of July because of how good their pitching is. That's question. That's part one. Uh, is are they out yet? I'm not ready to answer that as yes, though I understand why others and why you would, because uh, it's still going to take some a considerable turn in a different direction than where we are right now. The second question I have, 
And it goes into that the same type of question, where are they? They ha- All the building blocks are there. You're still optimistic if you're a Marlins fan for the future, for the long term of, of what you're looking at here. But you have a abundance of pitching. You need some offensive help. Is and this has been what I've been seeing some writers have been asking from Miami uh, writers for the uh, beat writers for the team. Is Sandy Alcantara a potential big trade piece to improve the offensive side of this to, for the long term picture of this? Because you're one of the few teams that could afford to trade a guy like that. And with the others coming up who we haven't seen, plus those that have emerged yet this year, uh, and another big prospect that's getting ready to, to, to come up. Uh, if you had a, a, a match with a, a larger farm system, if the Tampa Bay Rays wanted to offer Austin Meadows and uh, Vidal Buyan or something like that, would that be something to think about? So that's the question that's going on right now. It need to be a haul because oh, yeah. that's an amazing contract and he's not a free agent until 2025. But, I mean, I, I guess it's possible. I I think they're more likely to, to, to sell than they are to buy. I, I think you're more likely to yep. see them try to move a guy like Starling Marte's a free agent after this year, right? If you're not keeping him. So it it's possible that they could go all in on their pitching, and it, they certainly have the – there's lots of teams that are, have better records than the Marlins that would kill to have their pitching as young as they are and as talented as they are. But I think it's more likely we see them start selling off Jesus Aguilar, Corey Dickerson, Adam Duvall, Starling Marte, Miguel Rojas, John Birdie. I think all of those guys are up. The big name is, of course, Marte, and I said he's a free agent after this year, so – he was injured, but he's having an incredible year. I think he's hitting about 320 right now. And so uh, there are a lot of teams would love to have a center fielder who could do that and bat leadoff for your team. No question. They're going to be a, still an interesting team to watch over the next month from trading deadline to uh, uh, just do they start to turn turn things around. And that wraps up the NL East as we make our way to the NL Central with the uh, division-leading Milwaukee Brewers at 44-33. and 33. Uh, 314 runs scored, 308 against for a plus six run differential. They're, I would call them the most streaky team uh, in the National League. They've now winners of four straight. Uh, I've seen this team like lose like seven straight, then win seven straight. Uh, so you, you love them, you hate them. Uh, they are your Milwaukee Brewers. Well, that's what happens when you, you're so dependent on your pitching. And Peralta, Burns, and Woodruff, we've talked about them many times on here. They've been... Everything you could hope for and more. Burns has been, I think he was quite clearly probably using spider tack. Uh, the, the spin rate is way down, and that's he's still good. He's still been good. I know there's a lot of people like, oh, he's walking, guys. Like, sorry, he wasn't going to continue to pitch 55 strikeouts to zero walks. That wasn't going to happen. I, I have no doubts that Corbin Burns is still going to be very good this year. But um, as far as the offense goes, the, the addition of Willie Adamas, you you called it. I would say you called it from the outset how big it was going to be for this team, and you couldn't have been more more right on that one. He's He always said he couldn't hit at um, the Tropicana Field because he didn't like the batter's eye, and it's showing, right? He's been great on. He's been great in Milwaukee offensively, and like you said, he's he's a spark plug, so kudos to you, man. Well, it's the, the energy level after watching him uh, emerge the, with the Major League team, and I. Uh, and it's, it's not a negative to say he's the, the team's biggest cheerleader. Uh, and it's interesting how much that makes an impact. Now, for a team like the Rays, they pretty much operate like a frat house anyway, so there's a lot of energy with everything going on there. Uh, not every team's that way. Uh, and what he has done, his biggest difference maker, yes, the the bat, as, for a team that certainly needs offense, has been a huge help. 
but the energy level has made the team different. Uh, Christian Yelich has talked about it. Uh, Avisail Garcia, his former teammate and back, has talked about it. Uh, Who's their main? Uh, Navias, that's their main catcher. He's talked about mm-hmm. like this was an article that has been written for the last couple of weeks now. Uh, but that energy level has provided a boost uh, to this team. And coincidentally, have you noticed the offensive numbers have gone up on other players in the last couple of weeks too? Now, some of that's the health of Christian Yelich. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also at uh, Colton Wong has uh, heated back up He's for being back, a leadoff yeah. hitter. That's been very nice. Uh, but Adamas has been the glue piece that has jumped in here and been the uh, the spark plug uh, that has made a major difference on this team. Keston here is back. We should talk again. Keston here is back. Dan Vogelbach hit the IL with a severe, severe hamstring strain. He is out, I think they said, six weeks. So Keston here is back. He had a home run and a double, I think, or a, sorry, I guess it was a sack fly to win the game a couple nights ago for them, and I see he had a hit today, still struck out twice, but I, I watched. There's more promise it, right it now. It looks better, it, better. Now, you're talking, you know, a guy who's hitting 137, it doesn't take much. Now, Jackie Bradley is still at 150, which is unbelievably bad still, but I'm going to push back on something you said a couple times on you, and that's upgrades across the offense. So, I'm not sure they're upgrading catcher here. Omar Navai has been pretty good. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Second base, Colton Wong. Uh, first base, you can upgrade. I'll give you that one. Second base, Colton Wong. They're not upgrading Colton Wong, right? Not with a deep uh, all-around player. Yeah, I don't think they're getting better there. Shortstop, you're not upgrading Adamus at this point. I don't think they're looking at and Luis Urias has been pretty good at third. I, I'm not saying you couldn't. Like, if Kyle Seeger comes available, probably, yeah. That That's different. Corner infield would probably be Corner infield is, is their spot, right? Because in the outfield, they're not. Christian Yelich is good. Obviously, Al Garcia is good. I don't know if they're going to pay for a center fielder since they already are paying Jackie Bradley. Now, should they? Probably. Like, you can't live with him hitting 130, but Lorenzo Cain should be back. I don't know. They've said July, but it's possible you see an outfielder, but I don't think you're talking about, like, a Mitch Hanniger type. I, I don't think that's going to happen. I, the one that I keep hearing a lot is CJ Cron for first base from the, from the Rockies, but there is not I, I would glaring go, holes everywhere. If he now Jonathan Scope is playing second and for uh he's playing mostly first actually, but yeah he can't that's be second. That's the one. He's been here before. That's that's the one he's to been here me before. that makes the most sense at first base. Yeah. That's not going to cost an arm and a leg, but has a chance to make a, a uh, an offensive boost. I so I I'll take it back with positions. saying. Uh, and, and correct, and what you're saying is that it's not any position will do because some of these positions have gotten have gotten better. Navarez has been uh, been Up solid. The middle has been solid. I will say. Uh, Adamus now has solidified the shortstop mm-hmm. spot, uh, which has pushed Urias to third, mm-hmm. and now that's improved that position by doing that as well because he started to improve a little bit. But if you can find an upgrade, that would be one that you'd look at. Uh, Colton Wong was. Uh, the all-around uh, player that you're looking for there defensively, offensively, he's your leadoff hitter. Uh, he's doing that uh, well. Uh, it's been more of the people getting healthy that has helped, but it's 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 uh, uh, center field would be surprising. Corner infield is probably where you're looking first or third. Mm-hmm. I agree. Offense has been inconsistent. It's been better lately. They are 11 games above 500 Brewers fans. I know that you like to believe that the world is melting down because they have – Still had, like, the Colorado Rockies are not a good team. I know that they went out there and they won two, and they were getting beat both games in this series here. But guess what? They won. They're rolling games. And it's not always looked pretty, but 
they still all count. You just got to get that W. Honestly, as much as I see it, yeah, they're going to look for a bat, but I can still see them looking for a number five starter. Yep, that's uh, the thing. And I can still see like a seventh inning reliever. Uh, just because it's already still good, but they try to make that a little bit stronger from what they, they had a trade from strength mm-hmm. with the Willie Adamas uh, trade, oh. which both Fire Ryzen and uh, Rasmussen look really good, uh, good. for the Rays. Uh, so that seems to be a win-win trade. But of number five starter, yeah. uh, and I'm thinking someone like, uh, there's others that are out there, but I saw he got shelled today, so it's kind of bad from recency bias. But Alex Cobb is uh, an expiring contract, not going to cost anything because it's a way to, to dump salary for the remaining year with the Angels. I, he would benefit from a National League switch. He's overall been solid. His peripheral numbers look very good. I think that type of move for a fifth starter would be possible for the Brewers. I I think that pitching is much more likely than people give it credit for. Just like you said, solidify. One position, really solidify it. Right now, Brett Anderson has not been good enough as a fifth starter, and Eric Lauer is kind of interesting. He's He's got really in good numbers, but he's been really hit hard by the home run ball. Um, I don't think that it's good enough that you want to rely on him as your fifth starter. I, Alex Cobb will be good. When he talks about the Rockies, a lot of people say John Gray. I've always said get John Gray out of Colorado and let's see what he can actually do because he, he has very impressive splits. So... I think pitching is much more in play than a lot of people are talking about. If if I'm right on John Gray, he still has one more year, or is he expiring? I can't remember where he's at. If he has one more year, uh, the the question becomes: Do you use uh, here's here's the chance for two change of sceneries? Is Keston Hira someone you can use to upgrade and, and that type of thing? You want Hira's offense, but you also don't have a position for him defensively. He's not there. You're happy to get, Sorry. I mean, cut you off. John Gray's a free agent after the season. Yeah, then that wouldn't be. You don't do that for an expiring deal, but uh, unless you go German Marquez, if you're looking at more of a, a rung up, uh, then you could be looking at something. Because Hira in Chicago or in, in Colorado, yeah, that that makes a lot of sense as far as getting back fully offensively. Uh, they would find we'll a see. way to bench we'll him. See. They would find a way to bench him somehow and put some uh, retread. So, Look at CJ Crone and put him over, uh, over him. Yeah. That would make sense. <laughs> we'll get to them soon. Well, let's, let's go on to the next team. Yeah, the Chicago Cubs, 42-34, and 34, a game and a half back, uh, 327 runs scored, 303 runs given up, a plus 24 uh, run differential, 4-6 and six in their last 10. Their big news of the week was they threw a no-hitter. They don't hit the Dodgers as a team. Zach Davies, Tapera, I don't remember. I missed some guy. Ooh, Andrew Chafin and Craig Kimbrell. And do you see that Kimbrell like, didn't know where they threw a no-hitter? Like, he got the vinyl out, and he was, like, oblivious until they all started running at him, and then I think he realized what he did. But that was their big news of the week. But what they've done all season is they've relied on their bullpen, which out of left field is just dominant. They are leading baseball in hits per nine and ERA out of the bullpen, which I had did not see coming at all. But Craig Kimball looks great. Uh, I was completely wrong on that one. So good job for you, man. Uh, they're starting pitching. You just never know it with Kimbrel if uh, like right now he's got health. Yeah. See how long that lasts. Yeah, uh, their starting pitching has been serviceable. I'll say that, but like if you compare it to the Brewers, you can tell that it's a step down. So they have Kyle Hendricks after that rough start of the season has been everything that Kyle Hendricks always does for the last month and a half. I think he's leading baseball in wins, but then yeah, I don't care that you threw a no hitter, Zach Davies. I've seen you pitch too long to know what you are, Zach Davies. Jake Arrieta, Alec Mills, and Adbert Azalite, they're okay, like innings eaters types, but they don't have 
any of the dominance of, okay, so you take Woodruff, Burns, and Peralta, even over Kyle Hendricks. At this point, you're probably taking all three of those guys. And so I just don't think the Cubs have the pitching yet to compete. Now, they have the offense, right? They still got a lot of offense. And that's it. Like, they have uh, Zach Davies and Albert Azalea as have us done. Their ERA is just hovering just a little bit above four. So it's a, with that offense, it's good enough. And their offense scores a lot of runs. Basically, they, they rely a lot on the home run, and they get a lot of those because Chris Bryant looks like MVP Chris Bryant. Javier Baez, I, he's just such a weird player, but he's looking better this year than he did last year, certainly. Wilson Contreras, Anthony Rizzo, those guys have big years coming up here, and they're, they're doing enough. Half's been bad. How many uh, uh, players do you believe they have above 10 home runs uh, on the team? Two, three. I will say six. We are at three, four, five, and you are only off by Darn. one home run. Anthony Rizzo is at nine versus ten. Darn Otherwise, it. you would have been spot on. So they have. Think of that when you're thinking okay. of, of nine nine batters. There, you have six players that are in double digit home Chris runs. Chris Bryant. Yep. Uh, Javier Baez. Yep. Jack Peterson. Yep. Wilson Contreras. Yep. Um, Patrick Wisdom. That's the surprising one. Only played 29 games. Here's the young kid uh, that has 280 uh, batting average, 349 on base percentage, 707 slugging percentage. He has 10 home runs in his first uh, 29 games there. Is this their next offensive player, or is this just a guy flash in the pan? Yep, that, that, that would be the second one. He is a flash in the pan, and, you know, you, you bank all those in. Good for you, Patrick Wisdom, but do you remember Yerman Mercedes at the beginning of the year? He was red hot, too. Yeah, 29 years old, not exactly no, the young he, prospect type. No, he, he was with – I think they signed him as a free agent this offseason from Seattle maybe, but it's been great to see. Good for you, Patrick Wisdom. Bank all those in, but, no, I, I don't think that he's suddenly a late career surge a la Jose Batista. There is only one Jose Batista that ever did that, so – the Cubs are still good on offense, though. Let me at least ask this, because he's approaching almost uh, his game high for a season. But back in 2018, he was with the St. Louis Cardinals, had 32 games, and he had uh, 260 average, 362 on base percentage, 520 slugging percentage. No, it was only four home runs overall. It wasn't as many extra base hits, but not exactly terrible numbers. Here's the thing about the Cardinals. They're the Cardinals, so anybody <laughs> that they have becomes good. Although, I was just listening to, I don't remember if it's a podcast or a TV, talking about all the players the Cardinals have let get away, like Luke Voigt and Rosa Arena, and just we give them all the credit in the world because they get so much production out of players that we've never heard of, but they do let a lot slip away, but I do not think that Patrick Wisdom is going to be the next Luke Voigt in the uh, Cardinals system. So good for the Cubs for finding him and getting extra production out of him, but I don't think he's going to be a big part of their plans going forward. Do you see them being active buyers? This was a team that people thought would be major sellers, uh, and then the first half has unrolled the way it has. Do you see them trying to boost that pitching staff, try to get uh, any sort of starting pitcher, and Uh, make a run at it? Kind of, like, at this point, if you trade away Chris Bryant, your, your your fan base gets pissed, right? Like, you're not trading them away at this point. They're too close to the Brewers. Now, they have a kind of middling farm system. It's not bad, but a lot of their guys are probably a couple years away. So they, they could go out and try to add. But, but here's the thing. 
Are you going to go out and add Max Scherzer? No. no. Are they going to go out and add an ace? I don't think so. So you're just adding more middling pitchers. I said they have middling pitchers now. Are you really upgrading from this? Probably not. You can just add more of them. So you want to add a Merrill Kelly? Sure. But is Merrill Kelly steps and leaps and bounds better than Alec Mills? Maybe. I don't know if it's that much different. I, I don't know what they're going to do. Good I point. think a lot of sitting pat for the Cubs and just hoping that what's been working keeps working. We'll move to the Cincinnati Reds, who are 38-37, and 37, five games back as we get the more of a two-team race right now. Five isn't a, a major obstacle overall this time uh, in the season, but uh, they are at 372 runs scored. That would be the third-best offense in the National League. Problem is, 378 runs given up. That's a negative six run differential, four and six in their last ten. Let's talk the good stuff. Like you said, it's the offense, right? Jesse Winker, this is the offense. When we both picked him to win last year, we thought we were getting. Jesse Winker, Nick Castellanos, I don't know if they're still leading in average in OPS, but at one time, among qualified hitters, they were both numbers one and two. And I believe they still are probably pretty high on that list. Jonathan India has looked like a legit chance to win Rookie of the Year at batting leadoff for this team. He's been that type of good. And so the offense looks great. Now, we talked about the... Philly's bullpen is being bad. Uh, they don't hold a candle to the Cincinnati Reds. The Cincinnati Reds are the worst bullpen in baseball. Pretty easily. Dead last in ERA. One of the worst whips. They give up tons of walks and home runs. You know how you give up a lot of runs? You walk a lot of guys and you give up a lot of home runs. And now it's also injuries to their bullpen. Like recently it's injuries. So they sort of went to Lucas Sims as the closer. He just hit the injured list. TJ Antone has been there. Josh Hader, middle, when before he was a closer, middle guy who would give him two, three solid innings. He hit the IL. Amir Garrett has been terrible all year, so it, it's been tough down there. Now, bullpen, like you said, is usually the easiest thing to fix, but I don't see them having a whole lot of prospects or whatever to go make that move. Like, you're not giving up something big for a bullpen arm, and I, I just don't see it happening. They're, again, as they were last uh, year as well, they're at the weird spot to, to be in. They Again, this is another one of those where the, the sum isn't necessarily better than the parts. Can we talk about one of the weirdest injuries of the season? Mike Moustakis bruised his heel back in April. He came back for two games in May and has been on the aisle since May 13th with a heel contusion. I, a heel like. I, maybe he's got something going on there severe and I don't know what it is, but otherwise that is one of the strangest ones that I've seen this year. I thought that was going to be like a 10 day and he'd be back. And we, there's no sign of this guy. He's on the 60 day IL with a heel bruise. Yeah. My, my guess is they've, they have not done a good job communicating what actually is going on here. Uh, you, you hear contusion, you're thinking, uh, uh, you know, it, it maybe if it's a, if it's an IL trip, then it's going to be the, the short, short end of that. So then hope that, uh, 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 Jesse Winker doesn't have the same thing because he left after five innings with a hip contusion. So as long as that isn't the Mike Moustakas kind, you're just fine. Uh, but he had his 18th home run uh, today. Hitting 325. Jesse Winker has been unbelievable. And uh, that's all you can say. But yeah, otherwise... If, if you are the, the Reds GM, are you, uh, are you intrigued at selling... Because uh, here's here's the deal. Sonny Gray has one more year left on his contract, I believe. He's hurt. Uh, and, and so the question is, does he get back in, in time healthy? Uh, you have, uh, is, is Wade Miley just in the one year? 
for for him. I free age twenty twenty two club option for Wade. Okay, Miley. so then you potentially could keep him for one more year, or you still have him secured for one more year if you'd want to trade him. Uh, Nick Cassianos is, is leading the way in your offense, but he has a clause in his contract that would allow him to opt out after this season in pursuit of a bigger deal. If he's hitting the way he's hitting, he will do that. So if he, if unless you are going to pay him that more money, uh, you have some very nice players that you can use in, in trade to try to build whatever your next wave is. Luis Castillo has started to come back around. Tyler Molly uh, is your next big pitching prospect that has looked otherworldly uh, already. So here's the next big centerpiece that's there. So what's your plan? Uh, and, and that's the big question mark that's for Cincinnati. As you look at present and future, what's your plan? So what would you do if you were the Cincinnati Reds GM? Oh, man, that, that's a tough one there. Um... That's why I asked the question versus getting <laughs> it asked to me. Gaining ground, like you said, five games is not out of the question. You can do that. Sure, you can have a 10-game stretch, but I don't think with the current team they're throwing out there, they are good enough to have that type of a run. Now, I would probably have said that about Oakland a couple weeks ago too, but uh, the offense is all there right now. Right? I don't think I want to mess with the offense. I, but if you have to make a decision. If you're going to go for this, you need more. You and can't the, do status quo. No, you cannot stay here because you're not going to catch the Brewers doing it the way they're doing it. They don't have enough pitching. So if you are going to go for this, you need to make a move and say, okay, we're going to go for this this year. Maybe we win. And Nick Castellanos, we say, look, here we are. We're being aggressive. Please resign with us. Don't go sign with the Yankees. Because guess what? He's going to have plenty of teams wanting that. I think he's still only 29 years old, even though it seems he's been around forever. And they have to make a move if they're going to go for it. Now, if not, does it make more sense to trade him? Sure, that's what the Tigers did with him was it two years ago when they moved him to the Cubs, and there's going to be plenty of teams interested in that contract too. I think it's only like $16 million and you can say, hey, Nick, you want to stick around? We'll sign you to a big extension. But I think they're going to stand pat with the offense, and I do think they're going to try to bring in some pitching to help. But it's going to have to be – now, they could use a guy like Merrill Kelly. Like, it does not have to be Max Scherzer in this case. They had Luis Castillo Correct. finally starting to look like the ace that he is. Correct. He had a great start today. So they have the ace. They just need more. They so they don't the back have back end of that rotation. So they don't put so much tax on an already terrible bullpen. <laughs> so the it'll be a pitching upgrade and and roll off the second half. Is that what the uh That's what, what my GM hat says to do. Okay. We'll see if they pull it off or not. We'll take a look next at the St. Louis Cardinals that are 37 and 40. They are seven games back, 300 runs scored, and that would be tied for fourth worst offense in the National League. 347 runs given up, so a negative 47 run differential. They are three and seven in their last 10. This does not look like a Cardinals team. Like, their offense is bad. And. It's just it's been that way it's, for a few years. They have not been able to fix it. This is I don't remember which team it was. You said it last week. This is a team that looks old now. Like they are looking old. Nolan Arenado, I would say I've he's looked great. Nolan Arenado has looked like everything they wanted him for. He's come over, he kept hitting. We said good hitters hit. Doesn't matter if you're outside of course field, he looks fine. But otherwise, Paul Goldschmidt suddenly looking old out there. And Yair Molina looks old out there. And Tommy Edmond, after a great start, he's not old, but he, He's fallen off a cliff kind of recently. And so 
There's a lot of swing and miss in this team, a ton of swing and miss in this team. I think they're one of the worst teams in baseball for striking out. And their pitching has never been like Jack Flaherty got hurt. That sucks for you. Sorry, you have an ace too, but he got hurt. And otherwise, once again, your pitching is old. Like Adam Wainwright is your ace, and he's still pretty good somehow. He did spy on smoke and mirrors a la Zach Ranky. He can do that. He's done that before because he has great control. But I don't know. I just this does not feel like a typical Cardinals team where you 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 always worry about them coming because they always seem to find these guys, but this does not feel like that type of a year. This feels like a team that is you're kind of stuck. At first you'd say this would be a prime candidate to start a rebuild. You're you're at that mm-hmm. spot. Once you start looking this old, problem is you have a lot of big contracts and, and players that are in like either at ending their prime or middle of prime when you talk about Goldschmidt and uh, no Arenado. No one's touching Paul Goldschmidt's and so, contract. So at this you point. are you're, you're stuck with an aging core that still has many years left on their deals. So rebuild is not uh, a luxury that you have at this point unless you are managed to rebuild on the fly. And you also you also don't have a big farm system. Uh, big prospect's it. been Dylan Carlson and he looked okay for a while. He's been cold lately, but he's he's there, right? After that, they don't have anything else that's helping them right now. So they are in a kind of a stuck position. I don't see them doing much of anything uh, by trade deadline, but there's still a major question mark of what is this team and how can they make it better? Uh, there's no easy solution here, but you are correct, and this is not the Cardinals team that you are uh, used to seeing and how they've uh, built themselves. Their current right fielder's name is Lars Newtbar. A plus on the that name, anyways. That is a classic name. That is, he, he just got called up to fill in for, I don't, they had another injury. I don't remember if it was Bader or someone, but they called him up, and I was just like, just so you know, their current right fielder is Lars Newtbar. So top-notch name there. Well, let's go to the non-competitive uh, uh, Pittsburgh Pirates, 28-47, and 47, 15 games back, uh, 268 runs scored. That would be the second worst offense in the National League. 358 runs given up. That's a negative 90 run differential. They are 5-5 five and five in their last 10. Here's the good news for the Pittsburgh Pirates is the players that they want to trade, namely Adam Frazier and Brian Reynolds, who I think they would love to trade, have been great this year. Like Right now, all the talk is since the Chicago White Sox would love to get Adam Frazier, Nick Madrigal got hurt, he can play second, he can play the corner outfield positions. I think it's a match made in heaven. And he looks amazing batting leadoff for the Pirates, which we didn't say very often last year, but he's hitting 326 with four home runs, 47 runs scored. That's exactly what you want out of a out of a leadoff hitter who can play the middle infield. And Pittsburgh has a young up-and-coming superstar, Key Brian Hayes. We mentioned him last year. He's gotten back. He looks every bit as part of a superstar. So when we talk about, like, the Cardinals aging out of their prime. Now, I'm not saying Pittsburgh is years away from competing in this. Years away. But it looks like there's at least something here to build off of. Now, there's a lot of garbage after those top three hitters in this lineup. It's it's a lot of guys who, Colin Moran, Gregory Polanco, they've been gamble. They've had their days. There's a lot of struggle. And it's probably the worst starting rotation in baseball right now. I know that there's talk of them trading some of these guys away. Tyler Anderson has some good points to him where I think he could they could get something for him but otherwise I'm not really sure there's a whole lot in the rotation that anybody really wants but there there are good qualities to this Pirates team right now see I'm more at the point of 
you only do trades if it's actually going to get you somewhere. Uh, you can't just keep, oh, we had a decent guy. Let's trade him and see it prospects. Well, at some point, you need major league players, and you need to start building building blocks. Uh, and right now, I at least like some of the, the guys that they have there. And again, I'm fine with trading them if you have a plan. And that's the problem with Pittsburgh right now is there's no plan. There's no identifiable plan of saying, uh, this is here unless you're going to keep someone like Adam Frazier and Brian Reynolds. Say, okay, here we have two good uh, players that are doing well offensively. Let's build around them or add to them. Uh, versus trying to or at least go the Miami Marlins route, right? That they find a way to get those uh, the the uh, Corey Dickerson, the Jesus Aguilar, uh, making those types of moves. Uh, what free agent wants to go here, though? They don't have the good weather that Miami has either. That's like the, that's exactly it. Uh, I Miami will say, has some benefits that way. I I do think the one player that I will almost guarantee you will be traded is Richard Rodriguez, their closer. I would bet money that he is guaranteed to be traded somewhere is like I'm sure the Los Angeles Dodgers would love to get their hands on Richard Rodriguez he is a 170 ADRA he only has 10 saves but the Pirates don't give you many opportunities and he's, he's looked great and he looked great last year and so everybody loves bullpen arms and I think he's probably the biggest bullpen arm out there right now and I said there's no major name uh, that's out there this year depending upon uh, what the Nationals do Brad Hand maybe uh, but he's still not the same tier that he even was earlier in his career. I think Richard more, Rodriguez. Yeah, I was going to say that's it would be close from a veteran experience, but in terms of upside uh, and a higher octane arm, I'd go Rodriguez. So it's it's a ways away. It's going to be interesting to see what they do. I think they have the second pick in the draft coming up. I might be off on that, but they have a very high pick. They have to keep thinking about building – three, four years down the future, keep adding talent, and they have not done a great job at that right now, but it's getting better, I would say. Well, let's switch to the NL West, to the most surprising team in the in the entire Major League Baseball, more than the Boston Red Sox, and that's the San Francisco Giants, who are 49-26. and 26. Uh, It's not the Dodgers that are in first place in the NL West. It's not the, the Padres that are in first place in the NL West. It is the San Francisco Giants who hold a four-and-a-half game lead over both of those teams, 374 runs scored, 271 runs against. That is a plus 103 run differential, uh, winners of four straight, and 9-1 and one in their last 10. That plus uh, differential is the second best in Major League Baseball. So we talk about the pitching all the time, and, and rightfully so. It, it's carried by their pitching. They are third in ERA, third in home runs, second in walks. They have an amazing bullpen, too. But they lead baseball in home runs, which is just shocking to me, considering that we don't think of it as – we think of them playing in one of the best pitchers' parks in baseball, and the whole NL West is full of pitchers' parks other than Colorado. So that's surprising, but they, they've been really good. And I guess the question – first off, question is, Kevin Gaussman. Let's just talk Kevin Gaussman for a second here. He is going to be a free agent after the season. Remember, he took that $18.9 million qualifying offer. What do we think? Like, he's going to be 30 years old in free agency, like four years, $100 million now? I was going to say, you're looking at a nine-figure contract. He yeah. will crack the uh, the triple-digit uh, uh, marker there uh, because he's done it in back-to-back years. Yeah, he uh, looks like an ace. So he has he has proven it. and And – you want to talk ace? Let's look at these numbers. This is and no one's at Jake Degrom level, but this He's one close. stat here gets close. He's close. He has ninety six innings pitched. He has given up only fifty four 
hits. That's impressive. That's impressive. <laughs> that is as impressive as as it gets. Uh, 112 strikeouts, only 20 walks. Uh, so he does not give up much that is there. A 1.49 ERA. He's at a uh, wins above replacement of 4.2. Uh, eight and one uh, on the year. This is a legitimate ace, and he will get a legitimate ace contract uh, this offseason. And it's it's not just like he's great, he's amazing. All the accolades, Kevin Gausman, you're great. But they have gotten pitching out of guys that we just thought that they were going to be okay. But Di Stefani looks great. Alex Wood looks great. Johnny Cueto looks great. And yeah. they've had injuries. Like Aaron Sanchez got hurt. They fill it in with Sam Long, who I'd never heard of, but they signed him as like a free agent this offseason from the White Sox, and he's just been awesome for them. So great pitching, great bullpen. And here's the thing about the offense. We mentioned the home runs. They're doing it with a lot of injuries. Like Longoria's hurt. Brandon Belt's hurt. Listella has missed almost all season, is finally close to coming back. So their like reinforcements are coming from within. And it's interesting to think about where this team can actually get to after we kind of poo-pooed them again. They said, they said, oh, it's a 30-game season or 60-game season last year. Great. Now you're not going to be able to hang with the Dodgers and the, and the Padres, and they're showing everybody up again. And this isn't much of a, a hot take, but it's one I mentioned before we got started on the podcast today. Uh, this was a team that you thought, okay, you know, they might uh, at least make things interesting for a while, but you expected – uh, uh, the Dodgers or Padres to to take over. Uh, I, I then they found another gear. Uh, that's what instead of sliding down, they've gone up, uh, and so you have a team that has found another gear. And now I'm, this is a playoff team. Uh, sure seems I, I, like it. I, this is a team that is set uh, for that, and uh, in, as competitive as it's going to be for wild cards in the in the National League. This is a playoff team. I'm impressed uh, with everything they've done to this point. One last note on their pitching is that Jake McGee uh, has uh, uh, he's had good numbers. Like he for the Dodgers last year did did well in smaller roles. Uh, he's taken over as the closer role for the uh, the Giants and 15 saves, 31 innings uh, pitched, uh, 37 strikeouts, 3.16 ERA. Uh, he has been uh, nice for them as well. Aaron Sanchez is healthy. Been kind of an interesting guy with, uh, the, I'm sorry, wrong name uh, for him. I'm thinking of someone else with that. Uh, uh, but anyways, the their pitching has been uh, impressive across the board, including their their bullpen. But, yeah, the hitting is the most surprising thing, and it's, you know, you have Buster Posey is uh, back to an MVP candidate. 34 years old, playing catcher, looking great. Yeah, they they find offense out there from guys that have just been like, thrown away from other teams, especially like other AL West teams, like Alex Dickerson they traded for from, I think, the Padres, and Donovan Solano was a Dodger, and Wilmer Flores was a, car, a Diamondback. So it's it's interesting how they're doing it, but keep going. Let's go to the Dodgers, shall we? I think they're second, right? Dodgers 45-31. and 31. Again, four and a half back, 386 runs scored, as you would expect, the best offense uh, in the National League. 290 runs given up, so they are a plus 96 run differential, uh, but been middling. Now there's some injuries obviously going on, but they're 5-5 five and five in their last 10. Here's Okay, so I'd say even with a Dustin May missing all the season, it's still the best 1-5 through five starting rotation in baseball. That's 
Clayton Kershaw, Trevor Bauer, Walker Bueller, Julio Urias, and Tony Gonsolin. I would still take that over any other starting rotation in baseball, one through five. Yes, Trevor Bauer has looked more human the last few weeks because he's not using the sticky stuff, but he is still really good. I think he struck out 10 the other day in six innings. I He'll be fine. Good pitchers are good. Now, the offense has been more – it's still scored a lot of runs, and here's the scary thing about their offense. It's going to be better. Bellinger is finally healthy. Finally healthy. Seager is, I believe, going out on a rehab assignment this weekend, and he should be back in July. Not a moment too soon uh, for you. Not a moment too soon. Betts hasn't been great. Like Mookie Betts, I think, is hitting like 260 this season, which is weird for him. So their offense should be better than it is, which is scary. That That's what makes this team always very likely to still pass. The, I would still put money that the Dodgers will pass the Giants. Uh, it's I know the Giants have a nice lead right now. I just have utter amounts of confidence in the Dodgers. And not to say that the Giants aren't good, but there is still considerable room for improvement here. Now, I said... I think they would love to acquire more pitching help at the at the trade deadline. And guess what? They have prospects for days to do so. If they want to get a very good relief pitching prospect or relief pitcher, they will do that because they have all sorts of options to do so. Now, getting Josh Hader, the Brewers are in contention. Now, they're not trading Josh Hader. But I said Richard Rodriguez. You mentioned Brad Hand. If those type of guys become available, could the Dodgers make a move for one of those guys? Sure. And then it just makes their bullpen even better. Uh, the Dodgers are a really good team, and they are going to keep getting better. Nothing to uh, 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 to say otherwise to that. The, the Dodgers are the most loaded, stacked team uh, from uh, the Major League roster to the Minor League roster. So uh, you expect them to do something. I'm sure they will by the trading deadline. They'll find the person that they've targeted, and they'll go get them and, and, and get that done. Uh, the San Diego Padres, 46-32. and 32. Also four and a half back, uh, 359 runs scored, 274 runs given up for a plus 86 run differential. They have won eight straight uh, and eight and two in their last 10. For all the talk of their offense, and rightfully so, Tatis is amazing, Machado is good, Tommy Pham, like for all the talk of all the offensive things they have, it is their bullpen that wins them games. They have a sensationally good bullpen that has the Mark Melancone, Emmanuel Pagan, or Emilio Pagan, Craig Stamen, like all these arms in the bullpen that they just, and they have a ton of injuries right now too, like Pomeranz is hurt, Matt Strom is hurt, but even without those guys, they have found a way to still put together this top two bullpen in baseball and hit CRA and whip. Now, their starting pitching is just weird, like, it's extremely inconsistent. You Darvish looks like you Darvish, and that's one of the Cy Young possible winners in baseball. Okay, we've talked about Blake Snell on this podcast plenty, but there is just absolutely no inconsistent. Or there's plenty of inconsistency. There is no consistency with Blake Snell. Uh, we agreed, right? No yes. dispute. No consistency. Joe Musgrove has been good. I would say he's been good. Uh, he has not been amazing, but he has looked very much a little bit better than he did with the Pirates, but I think everybody expected this massive leap because I think I thought he would, but he's been better but not perfect or by any stretch. Well, and the numbers are pretty good. He's 85 uh, innings pitched, only 52 hits, uh, 103 strikeouts, a 2.22 ERA. Yeah, maybe I was wrong. Okay, what about Paddock? Because I feel like I'm yeah. certainly right about Chris Paddock being in the Blake yes. Snell now, train, that right? that would be in the Blake Snell train. Uh, here's a guy who is 66 innings pitched, 69 hits, uh, he is at uh, nine home runs uh, given up, which I guess is not that bad. 
70 in, or 70 strikeouts, so a little over the one per uh, per inning, but a 4.64 ERA. Yeah, and and then there's Denelson Lamed, who they I have no idea what they're doing with him at this point. They sort of use him sometimes as a starter. He pitches two innings. Sometimes they try to throw him four. That's the the their weird treatment of his elbow injury and not letting him or getting Tommy John and then kind of babying him and so not having him do Tommy like that's what you don't want to see happen to a guy like Tyler Glass now like where they point where they we use him to the point where his arm is in such shambles that they can only use him for an inning or two at a time so they have a weird pitching staff I say it should be better than it is is what I will say that like you for what they paid for it it should be better than it is and their offense Fernando Tatis is an MVP level player, absolutely. Manny Machado has been good enough. Hosmer's been bad. Will Myers has been bad. Trent Grisham's been sort of healthy. There's just more question marks with this team than I thought there would be. Whether it's health of like Tatis's shoulder, right? We can talk about Tatis's shoulder. He's, when he plays, he's unbelievable, but they won't let him hit in the All Star game or in the home run derby because of his weird shoulder. And I wouldn't blame the Padres at all for that. But Grisham's been hurt. Lamette's or Lamette's got the weird arm injury. Nola's been hurt. So consistency from Snell and Paddock and injuries galore makes this team have a lot more question marks than the Dodgers. I would agree with that. The uh, uh, there's more for a team that was supposed to be stacked. Uh, no one's going to be stacked at the Dodger level, but you thought the Padres would be close. Uh, and there's more questions than you anticipated from this type of team for what they have built together. Uh, and so now the. This has been the most aggressive general manager uh, in the game by far in the last uh, uh, two years here. Uh, but you're getting closer to the point. They still have a stacked uh, minor league system, but you're getting closer to the – you start trading more from that, and and you make it where you – I mean, you do need a hit on now. This is when your team is coming through. Uh, but you have to be a little cautious at this point from spending too much uh, within it. But there's definitely things that need to be – to be done, some things you're not going to be able to solve, but uh, some things you have to try to find a little more consistency uh, in this team. But I'll just take a moment to say uh, to appreciate where Fernando Tatis Jr. is at this point. Uh, 59 games played. He is at 25 home runs, uh, 13 doubles. Uh, he is at 293 average, 373 on base percentage, 702 slugging percentage, and a 1.076 OPS. The offensive numbers are just video game esque. What do you think James Shields is doing right now? I'm <laughs> glad that he's not the GM that made the trade for him. Like, it's at the level, even a football reference, even Laramie Tunzel, when he heard what Houston was giving up for him, he don't, he, when he was talking to the Dolphins' general manager, he's like, well, even I would make that trade for me. Uh, so, uh, yeah. For those of you who don't remember, James Shields was traded along with some money for Fernando Tatis and Eric Johnson to the uh, Padres from the White Sox. So, yeah. Sorry, White Sox, you're really good as it is, but you could have had Fernando Tatis too. And so, he's amazing. Keep your arm healthy. Keep getting your thirty plus million a year until whatever twenty thirty five or whenever you're a free agent. Should we talk about those that are not amazing? Unfortunately. Colorado Rockies, 31-46. and 46. They are a whopping 19 games out of first place. And they're not in last. <laughs> so that's, that's the only positive. So that, that's the only positive. Oh, the uh, 336 runs scored, 398 runs given up, negative 62 run differential. They are 5-5 five and five in their last 10. 
the hitting has been fine, right? It's always going to be fine, partially because they play in Colorado. They have started playing Ryan McMahon and Brendan Rodgers more, which is good. At least they're sort of playing them, although they're not. They should have been playing when they were 23, not when they're 26 now and they're getting older. Like, you should have been playing these guys years ago so that they could have developed more. But you're finally starting to learn. Um, Your pitching, the Colorado Rockies, is as expected. It's bad. And the bullpen has been worse. Daniel Bard was a great story last year. I saw him blow a couple of saves recently against the Brewers. They are second worst in ERA, second worst in whip in the bullpen, third worst in strikeouts, fourth worst in hits and home runs. Like you're going to lose a lot of games and your bullpen keeps blowing games for you. And I said, part, you can blame some of it on the, on the Coors field. Fine. But it bad is bad. And this team, like there's a lot more. I almost have more faith right now in Pittsburgh than I do in Colorado. As far as the yeah. rebuild goes. Yeah, this is, they were more concerned with dumping salary. Uh, and then now Trevor's story is a free agent at the end of the year. He's only having an average year. You've been better out to trade him last year to get a better return for him. This is the team that doesn't know how to, again, this is what I was worried about with the Washington Nationals. Do you know how to commit when you need to commit? Uh, and this is the team that never committed and let, stayed in the middle. And now you're left with neither a good farm system nor uh, a, a plan for how to compete. Uh, and so that's where Colorado is at right now, and there's more questions than answers. So let's let's ask the four big names here of the guys that might get traded. Trevor Stewart, yes or no? Yes. Herman Marquez. No, but should be yes. I would agree with that one. John Gray. Yes. Yes. And CJ Cron. Yes. I think I think I agree with all of those. Now, the, like I said the big name is Trevor Stewart. Where where do we think he ends up? They keep saying Oakland. That's the name that keeps Oakland. getting uh, said a lot uh, about Trevor's story. Uh, I'm trying to think of the of the teams that are competing for the uh, the playoffs that have a shortstop uh, void. How about the Yankees? Send back yeah. Labor Torres. Give him a, a change of scenery. They, he's got issues in New York. They have they have enough minor league prospects. Like they they're always in contention. I remember there was talk last year that Trevor Story going to the Dodgers and stuff and moving Seager to third. Like that is not going to happen at this point. But I do think there is something about getting Glaber Torres a change of scenery and having. I think we both think there's a good chance that Trevor Story goes to the Yankees in the offseason. At least I think there's a good chance of that where he might be where he signs anyways. So I, I don't know. That one's interesting. But Oakland makes sense too. I could I could see both. So we talk about the dead worst team. Let's get there. Arizona Diamondbacks, 21-56, and 56, a whopping 29 games out of first place. Uh, 321 runs scored, so at least it's not the worst offense. But pitching, woo, hold your nose bad. 436 runs given up. That is at least 40 runs worse than anybody else. A negative 115 run differential. They are one and nine in their last ten. But hey, they got a win in there that when they're at like what seventeen in a row or something. It was against like that. the Brewers. It was against the Brewers in there. Uh, sorry, so Brewers. they have had two historically bad losing streaks already this season. I think they set the record for most consecutive road losses, and they lost twenty consecutive overall. Do you know this? I I heard this on. I don't see it on pot, some podcast, but there are two teams this season that have had 20-plus game losing streaks, which is like the first time in like over a, a century with them and the Orioles. I'm sure Jason Stark had those numbers. Maybe, it, I think it was Keith Law, but it's something like some athletic guy maybe. So, yeah, there's not a lot of positives to take from the Arizona Diamondbacks. Actually, there's very few. Uh, what has been positive, I guess, would be – Kettle Marte. 
Cattell Marte is good, right? You had that sort of no-hitter out of Madison Bumgarner. You can hang your head on that. And Zach Gallen is the one pitcher who sort of seems to have, like, that's what you want out of Tyler Glass now, right? Where he had the elbow inflammation in the UCL. They rested him for a couple months, I think, two, three months, and he has not been able to pitch deep into games, but he's pitching, and it seems like they're not too worried about it fraying or getting worse. So I always bring it back to Masahiro Tanaka, who was kept pitching through the bad frayed elbow and was fine with it, but that's what you don't want. Like, you want his arm to heal because Tanaka's arm never really healed, and he always talked about how he had pain, and, like, I don't know how he did it. He was amazing, but it's good to see Zach Allen pitching. You just hope that he's – doesn't move into the, once again, the Denelson Lamette range. You don't want that. So that's my positive for them. Now, there are plenty of negatives. Like I said, when you're talking about historically bad teams here and historically bad pitching, like you mentioned, how bad they've been so far. And because they've been that bad, it's going to be hard to move some of these guys, which they would love to move some of these guys because guess what? They need to start their rebuild. So here's my list of names for this team uh, David Peralta. Yes. I agree. I believe David Peralta will be on the way out. I actually like David Peralta. I think he's pretty good. He's but. a solid player. Eduardo Escobar. Yes. I think that's a one to watch for Brewers fans. I think there is a very good – you were talking about corner infield. He can play both corners. It's him and Kyle Seager were the yep. two that were coming to mind there. Christian Walker. They are, they have a GM that likes to make trades, so I could see it. I, I said – I'll say no on that one. I don't think so. Is Jubal Cabrera? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Now, pitching, Merrill Kelly? If they can find a taker, yeah. I think so. I think Caleb Smith has been very good for them lately. Out of nowhere, I think he's for sure gone. And then the big name, I could tell Marte. Because that's the big if one, the right? If the right prospect deal is available, yes. Not right. Because there's enough teams that you're looking for a center fielder. And he can play in. He used to play second. He, so, yeah, like, so he's, he's very versatile. versatile. Like, I've... I know that the Red Sox have Kike Hernandez sort of playing between center and shortstop. I think it would be a great fit. I think he would absolutely love playing with the Green Monster. I don't know if they will do it, but that's the big one there. Is Cattell Marte go or stay? I'm going to say no. I think they're going to keep him because he he is a building block. Like you you need a something, right? You need something to him build and around. Zach Allen. Like those yeah. are, those are your two. So the. There is two building blocks, whereas I, we talk about a team like Colorado, and I don't know if they have one. Like, I don't – Brendan Rodgers, well, maybe. Let's at least put it this way for the Diamondbacks. You don't have any major salary commitments to things. Uh, so uh-huh. it, this is a quicker move that, that you can, can do things to at least get back to a 500 club. And they do have – like, they have a good minor league system. It's just a couple years away. Like, Corbin Carroll and Alec Thomas, they have a lot of outfield prospects that make this team – a better rebuilding effort than I said, Colorado or like maybe even like St. Louis. If St. Louis is out of it, like it's going to take a while to rebuild that. But Arizona, you're really bad right now. But guess what? Houston was really bad a decade ago, and they're really good again now. So that's you got to be really bad for a while to be really good. Well, when we come back uh, uh, next week, we'll be back to our regular format. We'll be taking a look at the. Those on a, on a heater. We'll take a look at some of the best articles around Major League Baseball, uh, tackling key issues, and uh, all those good things coming up uh, next week. So, uh, just stay Update to- on my fantasy team. Hold on. Yeah, I almost. I have to tell you got. my new players that I acquired last week. Did I tell you this? So I was gone on vacation, but I added. So Alex Bregman got hurt. 
You see that? So I added Abraham Torrell, third baseman, filling in for Bregman because guess what? Houston's really good. He had a home run, a couple steals, pretty good this week. Steals uh, is always good. Former Rays top prospect who was tearing up the minor leagues for the Marlins, Jesus Sanchez, got added. I added him for, I think, $14. And then for 8 bucks. remember when Alec Manoa went for 400 I added Matt Manning for $8. Ooh. So he, he did not strike out. He, so far, he's bad. He's had two wins, so good for you, Matt Manning. Now, in 10 innings, he has five strikeouts, which is kind of weird, but I'm just leaving him on my bench for now. So if he's gonna if, Matt, if Manoa's going for 400 and I get Matt Manning for five, I'm happy with that. And as I said, Corey Seager, rehab assignment. We're getting closer here, and I'm still only – I'm in contention. I mentioned to you before we started. There's a, big, a now large, sizable gap opened up between first and second, but I'm still very much within the second-place – contention here so we'll see if we can keep uh, treading water for right now till reinforcements come and make a second half surge uh, and see if any of these other uh, players that you've had to add along the way some keepers that can be there to uh, help with that stretch run as well uh, so with that uh, have a great week and uh, enjoy uh, uh, Manfred's Magic Mike show 